Well, I feel like praising, praising Him. Oh, I feel like praising, praising Him. Oh, praise Him in the morning, praise Him all day long. And I feel like praising, praising Him. Do you love Him? a good spirit here this morning. God bless you all for bringing that part of Christ with you. Good to see all your faces. Good to be together this morning. Just want to make a couple of quick announcements. We've got a fair bit to go through this morning. So just want to say that Brother John Andes is here this weekend. He ministered for our youth on Friday night. Had such a good turnout and a good service. God bless you. God bless Brother, Nun, Brother Tim and Sister Ruth for hosting that. And uh, Brother John was a blessing. Brother John is ministering at Brother Zig Clark's this morning. That was actually the intent of him coming here. And he included us in, on the weekend. So he'll be ministering for us tonight. How many looking forward to that? Amen. Amen. Brother John brings something to the equation, doesn't he? Amen. This Wednesday, we're going to have a, a church business meeting. And so it's directed primarily to those that are 18 and above. If you want to bring children with you, that's fine. Um, but we'll be going through um, some of the uh, affairs of the church, the financials, the business affairs. There's some decisions. There's some things that the officers have been putting 
uh, amongst themselves, but we need to bring before the church. And so we'll also bring a little bit of a missionary update. If you have any questions or something you would like to bring, there's a little box at the back. If you have a question about something that we do at the church or how we do it, please feel free to put that in today. If we can have it beforehand, it helps us to be a little more prepared. We'll have a little bit of room for some questions uh, as they arise in the meeting as well. Also, I just want to say there's a couple of... uh, God bless you. Good to see you, Brother Ed. (laughs) Brother Ed's gone through some surgeries and things, and we're happy to have him here today. Uh, We pray that God would continue blessing and healing, and also for Brother Luke, Brother Brother John Perizok, Sister Angie everyone that's here. I, I think it's important that we can keep, keep together and bring these needs, but also thank the Lord, because the Lord has been working in our midst, and we're grateful. I just want to bring a short testimony from Sister Pramila. She says, thank you to the Lord Jesus, who is for his mercy and grace in her life. He's faithful and true. Our God is never unprepared. He's always prepared for our needs. She had a surgery November 7th, And she said she went in with such a peace and the presence of God, which was so strong. God was in control. Everything went well. I didn't even feel that I had a surgery. No painkiller have I taken since I came. And Thursday, the doctor came, the doctor called and said, Pramila, I want to give you good news that all your reports are perfect. And if you next time you have a problem or if you have a procedure, I'm believing, she says, that the word is declared by his stripes, I'm already healed. I want to thank the Lord for everything he's done in my life. I have no words to say thanks to my Lord for giving me a new family of God so loving and caring for her and her husband, for the pastor, for the ministry, for the family of the church. When the enemy comes in like the flood, the Spirit of God will raise a standard. I want to thank you all for your help and concern and encouraging me by visiting, phoning, texting. God bless you a hundredfold. We are in... We can do all things through Christ. We're in the promised land to possess. We have to fight for every promise of God. We have to stay in position, fight with God. We're in the season of rejoicing and miracles. God bless you. Richly press on. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. You could almost make that a sermon, except it was written by a woman, so I can't do that. (laughs) Sister Pramila, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make that sound bad, but that was a blessing. God bless you. We all have a testimony. The testimony uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ is what was written in us. Brother Jerry Fox, we had a request for him on Friday. He had the potential of having to have some fluid uh, and taken off and have another surgery, have to redo the whole knee operation. He wrote this, testimony to the saints on behalf of my wife and my family. Thanks for your prayers and support over the past weeks. Through it all, God has been my strength and comfort. I prayed that there'd be no fluid in my knee. It was only a few drops, just enough to check for infection. The infection on the outside is gone. The inflammation is almost all gone. This I give all the glory and praise to our God. Let's give the Lord a hand again. It was very in order for you to sing that song, I Feel Like Praising Him. We have much to praise Him for. Amen. There's many other testimonies we could share. If if time permits near the end, I want to share a couple of others. I had some through the week. Today's service, will we appreciate all the visitors that are here. Some of what we're going to do today is directed to the local church, but we're going to make it all inclusive. 
Today we're taking some time to vote on our offices, the offices of pastor, deacon, trustee, and treasurer. And um, we will be doing so probably about two-thirds of the way through the service. Lord willing, take 45 minutes, and then we're going to conduct a vote. Brother Jared uh, Dole is going to come up, give us the procedures. We're going to pass out the ballots. And then while the votes are being tabulated, I'm going to give you a short Africa report. Is that all right? So that's the order this morning. Let's just sing uh, one more um, chorus. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary as we turn to the Word. Oh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Oh, pure and holy, tried and true, with Father, we've come this morning and with open hearts and with these songs, and Lord, as you've already identified your presence, Lord, we now just yield our vessels for the remainder of this service. Prayers have been offered, songs have been sung, but Lord, now come, dwell among us. You, O Father, who purposed that you would have a great union with a bride at the end time. Lord, you've called us, and we're here to yield our vessels to you now. Take us all under your control. Father, have the preeminence. We commit now everything that's said and done to your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you to the musicians. Let's turn to the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2. I'm going to read a portion of this. I'll let you have your seats. And then I'm also going to read a portion of Scripture from the book of Ephesians and then 1 Timothy. Joel chapter 2. If I've missed someone or something, forgive me. It's just good to be here this morning. Joel chapter 2, verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong, there has never been ever the like, 
neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. So it was going to be a dark day, a gloomy day, but Joel caught a vision of a people that would dwell in the midst of this last day. He said, a fire would devour before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face, the, before their face, the people shall be much pained. All faces shall, be, shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. And they shall march every one on his ways. And they shall not break their ranks. Now notice, notice how Joel's saying it's an army. And it's, it's, it's there for a purpose. And God is raising an army. But he says, look it, they shall march every one on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path, and when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb upon the houses. They shall enter in the windows like a thief. The earth shall tremble before them. The heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? God bless you. you may have your seats. Joel had this vision of a people, of an army, and, and really, my, if I take a context just from the little bit that I read, is, is the, uh, the basis where he said, they shall not thrust on one another. They shall march in their ranks. They'll walk together. There's no, no man on earth that can create that. There's nobody under his power can orchestrate that. But it's Almighty God that is bringing that to pass in His purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, if I can read from verse 19, Ephesians chapter 2. I read this last weekend. We'll read it again today. And uh, this is Paul speaking of, we spoke last week on, on the heavenly and the pattern that God has. And this morning I want to speak on church order, a reflection of the heavenly but Paul would bring it down to this, and he would say in verse 19, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Uh, we had an amazing thing on, on, at the youth meeting. Brother Andrew took a sword drill, and he spoke on the temple. Brother John Andes came up, and he spoke on the temple. And, and the Lord's talking here 
in Ephesians 2 about the building fitly framed together, growing unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That's a, I believe that's a picture we want to see happening. We're growing. We, we can't say we've arrived because the prophet would give us an example. When the church sees who she is, and she can discern the two spirits. There's, there's, some, there's many things. But when the church can see who she is, then the rapture will go. And I don't believe it's, 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 it's just us seeing ourselves only, but it's seeing ourselves as we relate to the church and the body that we have been called unto. And God does not call any one member without having a purpose for the whole body. So I think we ought to take consolation. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Paul would actually speak in verse 3. He's talking about the office of a bishop. He's talking about the office of the deacons. But then he concludes with this in verse 15 or 14. These things I write unto you, hoping to come unto you shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtst to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So if we want to take that in a context today, the, the order of God on earth, because there is the highest order I believe God has placed on earth. I mean, there are orders. It's the order of marriage we can talk but the order, uh, the highest order that's been placed, I believe, is the church of God. Not buildings made with sticks and stones, but I believe it is the people of God, ordered by the Spirit of God, coming unto one great order. And I believe this is the time we're living in. In Joel, it would talk about a unity, a coming together. It would talk about the ranks, being a such and such. But the Bible, when it would talk, it would talk about everything is under the Word. It is not one of us that has the authority on anything. Be it the pastor, be it whatever the order is, we are all subject. Even the messenger was subject. He identified himself, Brother Branham, as Eliezer, a servant to the Master. And I believe that we all are servants to the Master. So I want to take this morning, if I can, and I'm, I'm going to just, uh, Lord willing, try and go through a few things. Ethan, if you can put up the PowerPoint, and I'll, this is maybe not the kind of service that I'm, uh, that, that can have a lot of anointing, but I, I would just say, listen, let's, let's just take in the word, let's take it and, and let's just receive it for what, what God has for us. So if you can put up that, that first PowerPoint for me, please. We're going to just uh, uh, start with that, so whenever that's ready. I want to maybe, um, if I can, take out of this also, Brother Branham would, would talk, um, just tell me whenever it's ready. It's good? Thank you. I was staying in the back office, uh, there's a minister brother who... Whenever he goes somewhere, he says, he doesn't take just one tablet with him, he takes two. Because he says, how many times he's come, and uh, something goes wrong with one, and he says, it, it, it can be the enemy just getting in. So 
he takes two. Technology is great, uh, except when it doesn't work. So, and it's, it's of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, we have some backups this morning. Not everything came together just perfectly, but we're just going to go through it. So, let's just take this. This morning, we're going to be voting on offices. I want to take some thoughts from the message from the Bible. This is also in reflection of our, our bylaws. The order that God has laid down in the Word of God is that every church is sovereign in itself. Under the supervision of the pastor and the duly elected officers, those are to carry out their duties and responsibilities for what they're chosen. This is in, in our bylaws. The local church, anti-message tabernacle, shall therefore consist of believers, a pastor, duly elected officers, according to the word of God, all working and cooperating together for the good of the people and for the glory of God. Amen. Church order, and these are some scriptures. Jeremiah 23, I will set up shepherds over them that shall feed them. They shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Philippians, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Jesus Christ which are at Philippi. So it's to the saints and the bishops and the deacons. So it's everyone. 1 Corinthians 1. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Hebrews 13, remember them which have the rule over you. Now this is, there's an order. And, and when I'm sitting in the congregation, I'm subject to the order of who's speaking. When I'm up here, I'm also subject to the order. Remember them which have the rule over you, which have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Hebrews 13, obey them which have the rule over you. Submit yourself, for they watch over your souls, that they, as they may give an account, that they may do it with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. First Thessalonians, and we beseech you, brethren, to them which labor among you and are over you and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. I just came uh, from Nigeria, and one of the things I noticed in Nigeria, the respect that they had for the elders, the respect that young people had for elders, even sisters to elders, uh, Sister Ogu, who has a daughter and, a, and grandchildren and a son-in-law here. She is there, and she was the, the, the wife of, of Brother John Ogu. He passed away. They call her Mama Ogu. Mama is a high term for an elder. They, the brother who is there, the pastor now, Brother John Nyimbi, they call him Daddy. So I was very grateful for one thing, and the whole time is there, nobody called me Daddy. <laughs> so so I, I thought, okay, either I still look young or I don't have the respect or they don't know me, but it's all okay. But I was blessed just to see the way they are and, you know, just, just a little bit of honor and respect. And I was, I was sharing with our brothers that were here and we've had some good conversation with all our officers and, and, and shared things. You know, we have very good uh, history among our church. The officers, many have been in place for a while, and so there's good history, there's good experience, but with that, there also comes the dangers associated that way. It can become 
common. We can just begin to look at it as, as one another. We see our backsides and our good sides, and, 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 and maybe we just lose a little, we become casual, and we lose a little respect. I believe let's just sharpen that up today. I, I, I believe we're all on the same page. That there are times when we have to come together, and we just have to be reminded Okay, so we do it as a church here sometimes when, when there's like housekeeping things or children running or playing and you know maybe it gets out of hand and, and we'll make an announcement and we'll say, parents, watch over your children. Watch when they go to the washroom. Be careful you don't bring food in the sanctuary. And you know what? We make the announcement and it's really good for a few months and then a few crumbs appear and then somebody's out of order here. So we make the announcement again. What is that? That is the washing of the water by the word. And we need to hear it. I need to hear it. And, and we all need to hear it and say, yes, that's what we're under. That's what we're here for. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. So let's, let's, let's go a little further. Office of the pastor. I will give you pastors according to my heart. They'll feed you with knowledge and understanding. And they ordained elders in Acts and, they, uh, and in, in every church. And they prayed with fasting. This is a very brief overview, and I, 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 there's much that I could share on this. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. So this is the office of the pastor. Now he says, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So these are some scriptures that relate to it. We have in our back office a copy of our bylaws. They reference some of these, um, these, these things. And we also have what's called a supplement to the bylaws, which has some of these scriptures, which has quotes. And if you ever want, I want you to be able to just look at them and study them. Ethan, I didn't forget about that clip. I'm still going to play it. Sorry. I, I, I just felt to go on this. So I, 1 Peter 5. I'm, for the sake of time, I'm not going to... I don't want to rush this, but I just want to reaffirm some things. Is this all right this morning? The office of the pastor, this is as our bylaws. He is responsible to conduct and act upon any program which he believes to be according to the plan of God, according to the word of God. Our previous pastor, Brother Harold, was, I believe, a twofold in the sense that he was a pastor, but he also had an apostolic anointing. And an, and an, an apostle in the scripture is one that is called a setter in order, as a prophet would say. So Brother Harold was, was very, his, his calling overseas brought a lot of clarity to the message and brought things into order, into place. So we honor that. We remember that. But, but we are also under an order today. So the pastor uh, is, is, is laying before God, waiting on God. What would you have us to do? What would you have us to be engaged in? What missionary work? What, what's in the church? What are all these things? And then to work amongst the officers, the ministers, the congregation. And that is God's protection for us. That's God's order. That's not me coming up here and saying that I'm submitted to that for 30 plus years and I'm submitting to it today. And we all need to submit to it. He shall assume full authority and responsibility for promoting the spiritual welfare of the church. He'll be the head of the associate pastor, the deacon board, the trustee board, and the church body itself. He shall act in wisdom to lead God's saints and manifest love toward all saints and their burdens 
conducting himself in perfect servitude of which God has called him to place him to act upon. Having a divine call of the Lord for the work of the ministry and being recognized by their labors, their lives and ministry bearing fruit of the divine call of God. I'm not going to go through all of these in detail. We did some of this last year. I'm just bringing a, a little bit of a reminder. But, but these are in our bylaw, just things like taking the oversight, feeding the flock, serving and dispensing the supper, officiating at weddings, conducting funerals, watching and caring, because I will give an account. So that, that's, that's a huge responsibility. I feel it bigger than I've ever felt it before. Qualifications, 1 Timothy. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. He must then be blameless. That's not faultless, but not having reproach, not bringing reproach upon the gospel. All of us are subject to mistakes. All of these men, these brethren, the deacons, the trustees, the treasurer, every one of us are human. I'm human. And, and, and I, Brother Harold was human. And, and there's times that we saw the humanity. You'll see it in me. You'll see it in them. But respect the part of God that is in these brothers and that they're serving for. Just as we have to respect the part of God that every one of us brings. So a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy or filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he falls into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be of good report of them that are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, in 1 Timothy 3, we read the end of that, but these first seven verses really relate to the pastor. But then from verse 8, it carries on down and it brings an acknowledgement of the deacons. And I'm just going to use that here for a moment. And I don't have it up, so I'm going to read it from the Bible. Likewise must the deacons. Likewise what? Likewise to all of these things. A deacon is a spiritual office. It's an office that is not, as I said, we just shared last week, it's not just an usher, although they do that as part of their duty. Not just a policeman, but to, to not just being authoritative, but being kind, being compassionate, being spiritual, watching for the flock. Uh, sometimes a deacon is back here. He's not just looking at who's sitting where. He's sitting there. But he's also there because he's got a heart. He's looking after the care of the people. And a deacon, a good deacon, will bring that to the attention. Listen, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, I, I feel like there's something going on. And, and do that. And in fact, reach out to them. Sometimes bring it to the attention of the pastor. Why? It's likened unto the office of a minister. So it's a different type of an office. It says, be grave. Uh, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved 
Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So there's an order that Brother Branham would have. And, you know, a deacon isn't just placed and voted on. Just, okay, let's, let's put up a bunch of names for a ballot and pick one. No, he said he must first be proved. In other words, he must first have a report among the congregation. And then if he desires that office, then he's presented to the church and say, he's desiring this office and makes it known to the congregation and said, and as Brother Bram said, that they could try it out for a while and see how they like it, and then see how the congregation is with it. So it's an integration. It's not just, it's not a vote in just saying, well, I pick, and I choose, and I like. No, it is seeing God in every member, seeing God in our deacons, seeing God in our ministers, seeing God in our congregation. This is not just mechanics this morning. This is in a spiritual level that we are before God saying, Lord, we need these, their protection for us. I'm grateful for the brethren that we have here. And they're different. They're not all the same. They have different approaches. They have different ways. And, 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 And they've been given, just because you have a deacon, it's not just... You know, uh, it's not just a one-size-fits-all. There are qualifications, but then God works through their temperament, and, and they got to be careful not to let their temperament get the better of them. Okay? Brother Branham would say this. He would say, uh, the devil would get on him, and he would get moody, he would get weak, and I would have to watch that and check that. He says, I'm not immune And he said he would have to bring that temperament subject to the word of God, bring it into prayer, and then not use his his individuality, but but rather let the spirit of God minister through him. That's the same for every one of us. So he would say, now let these first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Verse 13, Thee, for they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. I, I, I believe that those qualifications that are given there for the deacons are there uh, as, as a benchmark. And every once in a while, I like to go back and I like, like to read the scriptures that pertain to a pastor. And I say, Lord, am I really doing this? And not just in Timothy or Titus, but back in Jeremiah. I will give you pastors after my heart. Back in Ezekiel, where, woe unto you, pastors, you have not fed the diseased, you have not fed this. There's a great responsibility here. And, 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 I, and I think we all want to take this since seriously and sincerely. That is from the pulpit right down to every office. You know, Brother Bamwood said, I believe in the leadership of men. But it is not men leading themselves. The rule is by the word of God and the spirit. 
This morning we're not subjecting ourselves to something we've conjured up. We're subjecting ourselves to the Word of God, the principles He's established, that when He comes down, He would be pleased to dwell among us. There's much more here than I probably can get through in this service, but also in the same vein, to Titus, my own son, after the faith, Paul would speak two epistles to Timothy, one to Titus. He would speak to many churches, but now he speaks to two brethren. He speaks to Timothy, and he speaks to Titus. And in fact, Paul would recommend these men going out because he saw something in them. So he would say, verse 5, For this cause, Titus, I left you in Crete, that you should set in orders the th- in order the things that are wanting, ordain elders in every city as I appointed unto you. And he reaffirms what he said to Timothy. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, and he he tells them all of the same things. Holding fast the faithful word as he's been taught, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers whose mouths must be stopped. I am grateful this year I've been serving the Lord 40 years since the day, 1983, when he called me. 40 years, 33 years, uh, I will say, since I started in the ministry. And, and I am grateful for all the things that we have been through. I didn't realize back when I started some of the things that happened and divisions or things that would happen or trials or testings, but they were all part of the training ground. And, and as Brother Branham would say to the church in church order, you know, as you're coming up further, the enemy is going to come. I'm going to play a little clip of that just before we go to where we go to. My, the time is slipping by quickly. Bear with me. Are you okay with this this morning? I do, we do need to get to where we need to get to, so just, just bear with me, please. Brother Branham speaking about the pastor and he'd say, I suggest Brother Neville to be the, church, the pastor of the church. As long as the church suggests him to be the pastor, that's the vote of the church. As long as he holds the post of duty and stays with the faith and feels the leading of the Lord and the leading of the Lord for him to stay if the congregation votes the same. So it's not just the pastor assuming the authority or the deacons. The congregation has the authority. The congregation can look at the man and has a right to judge the man. Is he on the word? Is he conducting himself? Is he in sin? There's only two ways that he should be voted out. That is if he's not on the word or if he's in sin. That's, that's the word. And, but Brother Bannon would go and say, you know, that, that, that doesn't pertain. If the church isn't a real spiritual church or if it isn't something, they can vote the man out for any reason. But I believe we're, we are a spiritual church. And I believe we want to look at things God's way. Every officer of this church fills his post of duty knowing this, that God is going to hold you responsible for how you hold your office in the church. Each one will have to give an account. This is a quote we read already. Now we've got to have a man that preaches the word of God. If we don't, then get somebody who does it. That's the way we must stand. If the trustee board won't stand for right, for what's right, then it's your business to elect somebody who will stand for what's right. And then when you do it, stay by it. It's up to you. Stand by it, and all together 
We're standing for one thing, that's God. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you. You've got to have faith in your pastor as a man of God. Um, And he would say, if if he isn't, get him out. Get somebody in there that's right. Don't stop the church. If he isn't a man of God, if he doesn't live and preach what he should, take him out, put somebody else in. Now, you've got to have confidence. And he said, this is the house of judgment, the house of God, where God comes down and passes judgment. The pastor is supposed to be a righteous man. The congregation is supposed to be with him 100%. You're supposed to be 100%. And if you're not, then Satan's got a way to get in. You've got to get it cleared out. He's talking about congregations getting weak. And he says, get a pastor who will preach the truth. And he's, he's talking about how in the church age, what, how the Nicolaitan spirit, that isn't my thrust, but this is part of the quote I shared verbally. I want to say I believe in leadership, but it's not the leadership of men. I believe in the leadership of the Holy Ghost coming through the Word. I believe also that God has set men in the church Men who are gifted by the Spirit, and they will keep the church in order. I believe that. I believe also that the church is ruled over by men that God sends to take charge. It isn't, it isn't just, I've got a position, I've got the card, I'm in charge, I'm in control. It's a burden. And, and in fact, I would say, the burden, if you're really gifted, the burden ought to be there before you ever get into the position. If you're a trustee, there's a burden to see the things on the house of God that are, ought to be what they are. Why is, why is this not fixed? And why is that not fixed? That's the burden of a trustee. Because a trustee is over the order of the church, over, over as far as the, the building, the mechanics, the, 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 the maintenance, all of those things. I'll come into that in a few minutes. He says, that's what a trustee is. So that, that's, that reflects in the burden. They want to see that the church doesn't go into debt. They want to see and make the best choices for the church. That, that, thank God for godly men that can fulfill that role. And God has set in the church as it pleased him. So really what we're voting on is not just picking somebody, but we're voting and recognizing what God is already doing in that office. And we thank God for that. That, that we're not just, you know, we're not just, just doing this casually or carnally in, in a way. Um, we like to choose people. We like to control our church, control the church of God. But he said, it is not, it was not, it will never be the will of God for such to be. God is to rule over his people to govern each individual. Let me just bring this in. I don't, I don't have this part of the quote, but this is part of our bylaws. The office of the deacons, they are responsible to the act on the office of spiritual assistance to the pastor. They are to assist the pastor in all his spiritual activities in full harmony with the pastor. They are given, and and we actually have written associate pastor, I'll come to that. They are given free speech in presenting to the pastor any program or benefits that would bless the general and spiritual welfare of the church. So what that tells me is there's open dialogue. That means it's it's not the pastor dictating it's a one-way street. No, they actually are the support. They see something, 
They bring it forward. We communicate. Is that, is that, are, are we here this morning? I know there's not a great anointing on this, but I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that, that you can say, yeah, I, I, that's what I want to work towards. I, I believe we, we'll need a greater cohesiveness than ever before. Now you would say, they, they shall be ready to assist the pastor or associate pastor in every duty if called to do so. They shall assist in serving communion. They shall be acting ushers. They shall police the church in keeping civil order and conduct. They shall assist in taking local offerings. They shall oversee the spiritual conduct of the church in working with the pastor and one another on spiritual problems and matters of the saints. They shall be ready at any time to assist the need of every saint who is burdened or in need of spiritual consultation or general welfare. There are two messages Brother Branham speaks on church order. One in 1958, and then one in 1963. And, and both, and there's a, there, both are good, and, and it would do us good once in a while to go into those messages. In fact, the second message Brother Branham would say, play this tape every once in a while so that the church may know what, we're, what we have to come to. And he says, you're going to be growing in the Lord. What do we say? A temple fitly framed. You're going to be growing. And he said, and Satan's going to try and come. But he says, come together. Come closer. Be, be in, in not just in mechanics, but in heart and in spirit. Now we say, Deacons, they do not have the right to act upon any program or promotion without agreement with one another, one another and the pastor. If the program they're considering involves church funds, the treasurer shall be consulted on the availability of funds. They are responsible for God for their conduct and manner of service according to the word of God. They shall not have a formal meeting among themselves without the pastor or associate pastor present. That's in our bylaws. You can also find in our supplement, there are a number of quotations that refer to the order of the deacon. And as I said, we won't have time to go over them all this morning. But if you would like, I've got these available for you. If you're interested, I'll make a copy or I'll send you a copy. But there are um, quotations that are, I've read some of the ones pertaining to the pastor. There are also quotations pertaining to deacons and trustees. So I'm going to just share this. The deacon office came about in Acts chapter 6 when there was a murmuring among the Grecians because the widows were neglected. And 12 disciples, the 12 called the multitude and said, we need to serve God. And he says, therefore, brethren, look out for seven men of honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, that we may appoint this business. And he would say, and we will give ourselves to the ministry of prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying, please the multitude. And they started by choosing Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas. Now you didn't know these guys were there, but they were the first deacons ever. How did the deacon office arise? When there was trouble and there was a murmuring, and the program of God grew. 
and Paul ordained it to be. And it's still a needed office today. It's not just somebody standing at the door and, and just saying hi to everybody or greeting them. It's an office that is identified in the Scripture, identified in quotations. And as we already read in 1 Timothy 3, Brother Branham would, would go on and say this. Let me just read this small portion. He says, now deacons, your order is to keep, your duty is to keep order in the church with kindness and friendliness. This is a quotation. So we're servants. Now if it, if, now when you're supposed to, in other words, if someone gets out of order in the church or comes in here drunk or something like that, if someone jumps up and starts interrupting the pastor, the deacon is supposed to walk up to them, two or three of them, and say, could we speak with you, brother? We've had it happen a few times here. We've had it happen in our congregation. We've had it happen outside the doors, even as, as early as last week. So there's an approach, and there's an order. And when that comes in, here's, here's how anti-message tabernacle should act. Oh, let's go. Maybe I should help. Maybe I should do something. When it happened here the other day, I just went back to the office. The deacons got it because I trust in that office. And we need to trust that God is working through that office. And, and we need to, you know, a brother in the U.S. just recently was sharing, and he said, because of the dangers that are happening, you know, amongst churches in America, people coming into churches, he says, they've had deacon meetings where they've discussed the possibility of somebody walking in with a gun or doing something. And he says, before the pastor would ever have to be, he said, the deacon should be intercepting that. So let, let's not get upset if the deacon jumps. He's got an office. And he's working in that office. But he also has, it's, and it's not just one-sided, it's both-sided. And he said, and, and he would go on and say, now remember, deacons are God's policemen in the house of God, no matter what anybody else thinks. He says, sometimes a policeman does not want to have to go up and make an arrest because it's one of his friends, but he's sworn to an office. He's got to do it. That's his duty to the city. Brother Branham actually refers to an incident where a pastor had to, somebody was coming for the pastor's wife, and he tried to intercept it, and he got shot. Brother Branham would refer, refer to it. There's, there's other quotations, and again, like I said, they... These are in our bylaws and our supplement, and you're welcome. If you would like it, I will make it available to you. And let me just say this, uh, as I, I won't have time, as I've got to get into the trustees a little bit. Duties of a deacon, as we've said, but here, what's our duty to them now? Can I just bring it that way? Your duty is to stand by these men, for they will make mistakes. They're mortals. They're just men. They'll make mistakes. If the president of the United States makes a mistake, do we throw him out as president? Now, I know what you're all thinking. <laughs> but maybe not the best example for this current administration. But, uh, but nonetheless, he says, do we throw him out? No. We forget about it and we move on. That's the way we want to do our church. 
If, if somebody made a mistake and maybe dealt harshly or dealt wrongly, let's not hold that as a grudge, whether we're laity or officer. Let's not keep bringing it up. Let's put it under the blood. Is that good? How many are here for that? I've, I've presented this to our officers, and I've said in order for us to move forward, and we've, we've communicated, we've met, we've talked, and we said, let's move forward with a greater sincerity and a greater sacredness for the office that we hold. So I, 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 I'm, I'm trusting and believing that we're going to do that. Okay? Now, I, I've, I've spent time on the pastor, the deacons. I, there's, there's other quotes that I have here that I need to get to. There's a number that I'm uh, going to just bring up. The pastor can't do it himself. The laity has got to help in this. We are all a partner. Amen. That's why you're here. Your vote today is not just to, so somebody can be there. No, it's, it's our protection, Lord. I'm not just voting today, but I'm praying, and I'm going to be behind your program and your will. Uh, let's just go back to that for a moment. It says, that's not a holy man. It's a holy hill. It's a holy God. It's a holy God amongst the people. The laity has part of it. We're children. There's no great ones among us. Amen. How can you have faith when you desire respects from one another? We're all one in Christ Jesus. There's no big men, no little men. We're all the same. We're children of one father, and we're his children. There, there are other things I'm going to say that I have to move on to. Okay, let me just come, come back. Let me just put a blank on this. I want to just speak for a moment on, on trustees, and, and I'm, my time, I'm, I'm going to need another 10 minutes just to get to where I'm going to get to, so just bear with me and as, as we just bring this up today. Are you, are you all with me yet this morning? Thank you. Now, Brother Branham would, would say this, and he would, would, this, if you want to, there's a couple of good messages. Uh, one is total deliverance. And then also in church order. But let me, let me make a, a distinction, and this is in church order. Brother Branham will say, the deacons are the policemen in the church to keep order and to take care of these things and feeding the poor and so forth. The trustees are over the finance of the building. That's what they are to look after. And then he, he will go on to say... Um, and, and Brother Brandon will sometimes bring a question. What, what do you do this way? What do you do that way? And sometimes that question brings clarity. And he says, now, um, he says, now, Brother Neville doesn't ask anybody. The church doesn't have to ask. He says, the trustees go ask Brother Neville and say, we want to put a roof on the tabernacle. He said, that's nothing to Brother Neville. So when, when, when the pastor can trust that they're operating their way and the deacons are operating that way, not that we're checking on one another, but we're, we're putting our trust that we see God working in every office. I believe that's pleasing to God. And we can say, yes, these brothers, that's the deacons. They're going to do it. They'll give a report, and they're going to do some of that on, on Wednesday. 
uh, the, the trustees rather. Now, Brother Bannon would go on to say, he said, uh, he said, the same way with the pastor. What are you going to preach on? You haven't got no business. That's up to the pastor. And he says, now, God holds me responsible. God is the boss of it all. We're just working as his ambassadors. And he would talk. Now, there's a group of officers in our church, deacons, trustees, Sunday school superintendent. The church is set in order. You are the one who elects every one of these officers. And he says, the trustees have an office of their own. The deacons have an office over the, their own. And he, and he would say, I'm, I'm missing one quote here that I, I didn't put up. Maybe it's in my bylaws here. Let me just come back to it. And he would say, okay, let me just take it here. And he says, they had a little meeting, a trustee meeting. I read the minutes. It's custom for us to do that. And the decision that was made by the board of trustees and deacons, he said, of course, it can't please everyone. He says, I have not one thing to do with the trustee board or the deacon board. He says, uh, I don't even have a vote unless there's a tie, and I have to be to do it then. Now, we have to sign these things because we're part of a church. That's what the trustee boards and them boards' decisions make. They certain, we certainly stand behind them 100%. That's what they're here for. Now, we, we've, we've actually come through a difficult time in the world because how we're affected as a church has increased by government control around us. In our administration, we have a much greater accounting and administration to give account to the government. We have to have much greater record keeping. There is more uh, needed because of insurance and safety and lawsuits and things. And, and so all of these things, you can't say, well, it was, you know, it'll be just like back then. God will take care of us. No, I, there, there's a due diligence that we have as members. That's why trustees were put in here. So they watch over these things for our protection. And, and, it's, and it's always changing. It come, becomes more complicated. And we need to respect what the brothers are doing. And like I said, we'll give a little bit more of a report. Now, let me just say what he says here. Now, the trustees, they're under duty by God to watch the finances and take care of things like that. I told you about the tapes and things, but the trustee is the trustee of the property, the finances and things. The deacons has nothing to do with that. Neither do the trustees have anything to do with the deacon's office. Now, if the deacons want to ask the trustees help on anything, yes, they're all working together. He says, but that's your duties. He said, if Brother Neville asks you to do something, he's your pastor, do it with courtesy and love. And then if you say, Brother Collins, Brother Hickerson, Brother Tony, don't you see something wrong back there? At the post of duty, you know that's a real man of God. You're not working for Branham Tabernacle. Neither are you working for Brother Neville. You're working for Jesus Christ. Listen, this is very brief. I feel like I could take more time on all of these things. But I believe that, that we are working to a higher order all the time. And I, I, I also want to say this year one of our trustees has now moved more officially into the role of the treasurer, and that's Brother Tim Nunweiler. 
Brother Tim has worked very diligently for this church, and I will say this church has been blessed to have Brother Tim here. He's a man who uh, is driven to order, to accountability, to watching over things, and I appreciate the way that God has gifted him and the spirit with which he conducts himself. But we have in our bylaws the office of a treasurer as well, and there are a number of scriptures that go to it, but Brother Branham would, 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 would tell us some of them, and he would, he would say you know, how, how he was to give an account, and he would do things. I, I, I will just say he would say now, if I can, he say now, we have no bishops or overseers. We have the Spirit of God. It does the speaking. I like the rule. He says there's a trustee, there's a church, there's a democracy of the church. All of these things in a whole, the treasure uh, is, as it was upheld in Branham Tabernacle. I, I don't have... And again, I'm missing one quote. Bear with me, but he says, okay. Uh, okay, he talks about tithing and, and other things here. I have endeavored just to give you a little bit of an overview, and I'm just going to read in our bylaws the office of the treasurer, what we have here. He says, the office of the treasurer, he, as appointed by the pastor, confirmed by the trustee board, is responsible to provide an exact account of the financial status of the present funds in the treasury. This report is to be made available to the pastor, the board of tre trustees, upon their request of such a report. The treasurer does not have the authority to convey or to acknowledge the fin financial status information to any acting office or member in the church but the pastor or the board of trustees. The treasurer shall sit in on trustee meetings to take notes and minutes of actions and taken by the board of trustees. He shall not be a consultant in spiritual matters nor attend the meeting of deacons unless requested by the pastor. So this is a brief overview and our time is running out. But as I said, I've got these available for you. If you feel, if I haven't been clear on something, I apologize. We only have so much time in the service today. This is meant to be a little bit of an overview, but we will certainly make this available. I want to just read a couple of things here, and I'm just going to go down a bit to the end here. Let me back up. Submit yourself one to another in the fear of God. Congregation, submit yourself to your pastor. Pastor, submit yourself to your congregation. If a little click rises up, don't be on either side. Submit yourself to the whole congregation. Congregation, if you start in a click, submit yourself to your pastor in the fear of God. What are we interested in? Marching as an army. Marching, not breaking our ranks, but marching together. I want to just take one, one more. Um, there's, there's some order here I wanted to take, but this, I was in Brother Samuel Taylor's office, and I in his church in Ghana, and I walked in, and this probably, this quotation, probably it was hanging on the wall, and it probably identifies what my, my main thought is here. When we reverence, he says, now, we ought to come to church with the highest reverence. We ought to enter the church like real saints of God. Walk over take our position, and keep our minds on Christ. I believe this is where we want to go. When we come, let's have the deacons 
meeting us. We don't get into casualness or comfortableness, conversation, but we're coming in to pray. Our deacons, they're there to greet you, to bring you, to help you. We sit down knowing the trustees have taken care of things, that we're under order, we're protected if something happens. Then the song leader, the pianist, everybody coming in their order, everybody doing their part, and then the minister coming up. I want God to be pleased with what we do. I don't want to just do this mechanically, but I want to do it with our heart. I want to do it with more of my heart. I want to do it with a heart to my brothers that are in office here. And I want to just say, we've had communication, and I'm grateful for what we've been able to discuss and talk about, and we've said, yes, this is what we're coming to, Brother Ed, and we want to work together. And I want to say I honor every one of these men. So I, I'm going to, for the sake of time, I had more that I could bring. There's a part of the tape I wanted to play, but I'm going to leave that. I feel like just to leave it there, I feel I've said my heart, the part that I really wanted to come to. I'm going to invite Brother Jared Dole to come up right now. Brother Jared, we're going to conduct the office of the vote. He will tell you who's, ava- who's here to be able to vote and how this will be done and, uh, and how it's eligible. And then we'll, we'll do this and then we'll carry on while they tabulate the votes as we do that. Come, Brother Jared. morning, saints. This isn't a very glamorous part of the service, but it's uh, required for the house of the Lord to run in order. So I'll just um, go over a couple things for the vote that we'll be holding. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> okay. So we've already, I'm going to go through the last four points on this slide. Voter eligibility, voter instructions, we're going to conduct a vote, and then the vote results at the end of the service. Uh, voter eligibility, I know we have a lot of visitors with us, so if you just bear with us and you come tonight for the service, we have a guest minister, Brother John Andes, will, uh, if you need some inspiration, you can come for the service this evening. Uh, so for eligibility, uh, you, your spouse, are currently paying tithes and offerings to Anti-Message Tabernacle. You've been in regular attendance uh, of Anti-Message Tab- Tabernacle church services over three months, and that also includes um, live streaming. And you are 18 years of age or older. <clears throat> uh, one vote per person. Uh, The deacons and trustees um, are going to hand out uh, the ballots. There's two ballots. Uh, There's a white one and a blue one, and I will go over that uh, next slide. And remote voters, people that are voting online, um, I believe the uh, voting is ready for you now, uh, so you can start your voting process there. Uh, There are two voter cards that the deacons and trustees will hand out. Um, the blue ballot is consisting of the pastor and the deacons, and the white ballot is the uh, trustees and the treasurer. Um, you, we want you to confirm your eligibility, so on each ballot you need to check the top three boxes uh, as displayed there, in this corner there. Um, 
and then you cast your ballot uh, to go over the yeah those we've gone over the what those first three boxes were your tithe payer or your spouses you've been in regular attendance of the services including streaming and you're of legal age 18. Uh, the next part is to cast your ballot and if any the top three boxes are not filled um, that will spoil a ballot and your ballot will not be counted if the top three are not filled in. Uh, next part is casting your ballot. So there are three columns there for each uh, officer that's being voted on. Uh, there's a yes, there's a no, and there's an abstain. You can fill that in. And then you'll turn your uh, ballots in to the deacons. Uh, they'll come, we'll come around with the uh, gray offering box, uh, buckets and we'll just pass them up and down the pew uh, for you to um, uh, put your ballot in and then we'll do the count. I'm just gonna go back here. Uh, so brothers, if you would get ready to uh, distribute the uh, ballots, we're gonna have the trustees help us out um, Brother Jake, I think you're going to stay at the door. So three of the deacons are going to be able to, uh, and the three trustees are going to hand out the ballots. Um, as they come to your row, I think we're going to split uh, two deacons up here at the front, two trustees, and then one for the back section. Um, as they come to your pew, uh, would you please raise your hand if you are an eligible voter and you will get a voting card? And Brother Andrew, if you want to come up, make your way up. You can do that. Okay. Brothers, if you would come up to the front, I'm going to ask Brother Andrew to offer a word of prayer over the vote before we start. So if um, the deacons and trustees that are helping out, if you'd come up. together heavenly father lord jesus as we're gathered here lord today we want to thank you first for your word lord that there's you had a prophet in our day that came and made these things very clear and how they ought to be done we thank you lord for the light of the hour that we're able to walk in father now as we approach this solemn time lord we just pray that you would give each one wisdom lord and Father, we commit all things now into your hands. Lord, we want, Lord, as Brother Red has laid out, that the Holy Ghost would have the preeminence. Lord, that you would be mindful, Lord, and that we would first and foremost be reverent towards you. Lord, we just commit all things into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, deacons, trustees, if you want to start handing out ballots, if you would raise your hand if you're an eligible voter, and if you need a pencil, Brother Norbert has a pencil for you if you need to use a pencil. Yeah, you can hand them out, yeah. Uh, 
Officers, as you're handing those out, if you do not get a chance to vote now in a sanctuary, we'll just set a couple moments back in the office where you'll be able to vote there. So just make sure you have two cards. You should have a white card and a blue card. Make sure you complete all the check boxes. To clarify the top three and then your vote as you wish. Once you're done your vote, uh, you can fold your ballot in half and then the deacons will come around with a bucket to collect those. Everybody has two, two ballots? Okay, brothers. You got two white ones? Okay. Over he here, we got some people with two white ballots. They need a blue one over here. Anybody else does not have a ballot, does not have two ballots? Again, you should have completed a blue and a white ballot. Brother David, did you get a ballot? And if there's anybody downstairs that you can come upstairs, uh, that would make it easier, but we'll have two go down to see if there's anybody downstairs as well. And everybody, anybody that does not have two ballots that needs one, please raise your hand. <clears throat> I think we've got that. Brothers, if you want to get the buckets ready to start collecting them.
You can come up, Brother Tito. Yeah, you can start collecting. If you guys are, if you're finished uh, with your ballot, you will pass the bucket through as we do for the offering and just place both your ballots in the bucket. And if you happen to have a pencil, you can throw your pencil in there too. As a matter of process, um, the deacons and a minister will be counting the um, trustees' ballot, and the trustees and a minister will be counting the pastor and deacons' ballot. Is there anybody that still has a ballot they need to deposit? All the ballots are in. And for online voters, the uh, vote will be over electronically for you now as well. Brother Ed. Thank you, Brother Jarrett. Thank you to the officers. Thank you to the congregation. So the business of a church also conducts this. So. Uh, I'm not going to lead you in a song, if that's all right, <laughs> because the scripture I read, let everyone stay in their rank. So I've learned that it's not quite my calling, but uh, God bless you. appreciate every one of you. I, I will like to say that I will address this a little further. There are some things in church order, um, also with our offices. Um, we're growing and we're moving more and more fitly framed. So uh, the Lord willing, we will be uh, bringing on another deacon. Um, some of our brethren will get elder and there's a time of training. So we're gonna bring another deacon and the Lord willing, another trustee and we'll do that 
as the scripture says, appointing them in due order. We've also placed Brother Andrew Dodd as a, in a role this year just as helping with the Sunday school as maybe a potential superintendent. We're not voting on that today, but we're just going to see how that works. We're just doing that in the order. And the Lord willing, we're also going to look to fulfill the office of the assistant pastor at some point. So we will be continuing to work towards that. And uh, we are thankful that, as Brother Andrew said, God has left us an order, something we can have confidence in. Not just man's interpretation, the Bible, but a prophetic order. And so we're grateful for that. I'm going to, at this point, I'm going to take about 15 minutes to go through a little bit of an Africa report. We, we came back, so I will do this. I've got a few video clips at the end. I'm going to try and go through this quite quickly. Um, as I mentioned, Sister Ogu, who is here, uh, home church is in Nigeria, and she had mentioned our name to the pastor, the pastor. Uh, this last year, the, the church that uh, is there, Christian Ministry Reconciliation and Truth, um, is the name of the church founded by Brother John Ogu, and this is their 50th year anniversary. So they invited me to come in September, and I, I just could not make that work, and they said, well, we're having a convention in November, so I, I agreed to, to make it for that. So that was the basis of us going to Nigeria. I first was in Nigeria 30-plus years ago, and it's been a long time, and uh, it was good to go back. So that was the thrust of the trip. So let me just get into this for a few minutes. Um, we traveled to West Africa. Nigeria is the country that's here. Ghana is another country that's here. So when, the, when God made way through prayer and the visa for us to be able to go to Nigeria, I determined also to go to Ghana. I've been to Ghana as a country a number of times. There's a number of churches, number of brothers. But my heart was to go and visit Brother Samuel Taylor. So Ghana is the country here. In proximity, there is Nigeria. There's a country of Benin, Togo, uh, Ivory Coast, and then Ghana. And uh, I felt in my heart to go and visit Brother Samuel Taylor. Um, and uh, when he heard, he was, he was thrilled that I would include him. So we did that. So we travel into Nig to Ghana, took the flight from Edmonton to Amsterdam, uh, arrived in Amsterdam, took a flight directly into Accra in Ghana. Accra is the city right here. Brother Samuel Taylor's in Cape Coast. Arrived there about um, 8 o'clock p.m. Uh, their time, waited one hour for my luggage, uh, customs, security, all of that kind of stuff. Finally got out and uh, then drove, proceeded to drive three hours and arrive at 1.30 a.m. in Cape Coast. So uh, we made it. That was the nighttime drive. That's Brother Samuel Taylor and myself in, in a traveling form. <laughs> and woke up the next morning, and lo and behold, it was nice. This <laughs> um, at the hotel. And as you go out in the hotel, and I stepped out on the pavement, I remembered what I was missing in Alberta. Um, <laughs> little get-go. They just run around your feet and... And uh, it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's a good reminder. Uh, they have, uh, like many hotels, they have a little place you can go have a bite to eat. Uh, this is their bite to eat, 24-7, year-round, open, no walls, 
because the temperature varies a little from 32 above to 25 uh, above in the evening. So it's quite comfortable. A little breakfast with Brother Samuel Taylor the next morning. This is the church that Brother Samuel has. He, he's a brother who labored very hard to put the church, and he did a very good job of it, probably one of the nicer churches I've seen in Africa. And he's been building this for over 10, 15 years. Our church under Brother Harold uh, initially helped support it. We went there on Saturday afternoon. They had a prayer meeting, and Brother Samuel led the prayer meeting. Uh, but this is just the church prior to that. Brethren, we're starting to gather from the outside, a very nice church. This is the evening as we were there, and um, well, it was a Saturday night. I'm really, I was, to say, I'll be quite honest, I'm very grat- grateful I could go and just set my face before the Lord, and I think it really helped me for the rest of the trip. The next morning, we woke up, we went to church in, in, uh, in Cape Coast. This is the building. People started to gather. It's a, uh, in Cape Coast is a university town. Much of the congregation are university students. So there's a few cars um, that are there, Brother Samuel's car. Brother Samuel used to be in the banking industry for many years. He's retired. He's a full-time pastor. He's, he was full-time pastor while he was banking, too. Um, this is us standing there. And uh, we had a, the first day I was still getting acclimatized to time and, and such. It's about a six, seven-hour difference from here. This is the church on Sunday morning. And um, again, very good gathering. Um, they did a little baby dedication before the service. Brother Samuel dedicated the, the little baby. Uh, we spoke that morning. And uh, I don't know how people find these links, but somebody found a link to the service and sent me a picture back of me ministering. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> we, we ministered that through an interpreter. And uh, it was, we had a really good service. I'm really grateful for the leading of the Lord. Afterwards, one of the brethren, this brother back here, he's married to one of Brother Samuel's daughters. He's a doctor. He offered to take us for lunch at a hotel, which was a real treat. Um, and so we, we did that, um, gathered together. Uh, and then they have these little local drinks that are here. And I tell you, when you're sweating and perspiring, I, I, it was just liquid, and I needed some, and I took some. And they give it to you in these little bowls, and it was some kind of a, a fruit concoc- concoction, and it was quite good. So the main reason I, I really felt, Brother Samuel, uh, this is his wife, Esther. She contracted cancer and passed away earlier this year. And uh, she was a real help to him, and I, I just felt to be a little support to him. And the church, we were able to help him with some things that the church does there. Very faithful brother. He has students in his church. They don't have a lot of tithing income. They get good jobs and they move elsewhere to other churches. But the brothers in the country around him have a great respect for how he nurtures and trains these young people and they are assets to congregations where they go. So we we remember Brother Samuel, soft-spoken brother, but a mighty man of God. We traveled from there to Nigeria, and in Nigeria, uh, we came to the capital. Well, the capital is different, but this is Lagos. Lagos is Africa's most populous city, 16 million proper, probably up to 25 million around. This is flying with the local African airline. It's about an um, hour, hour flight over there. This is coming over Lagos. Looks beautiful um, beside the ocean. Uh, very, very, very 
populated. And uh, yeah, lots, lots of activity there. If you can go uh, driving down the streets of Lagos and hear quiet for five seconds, in other words, no horn being honked, you've hit a quiet spot. So it's, I see Brother Arinze just kind of laughing and shaking his head a little bit. He's from Nigeria. He knows it well. This is um, the temperature. So uh, 32 to 34 every day, 25 to 27 at night, 90% humidity. Thank the Lord for air-conditioned hotel rooms. My goodness. Um, anyway, the, the grounds for the church, this is Brother John Ogu had a church originally founded in uh, Lagos proper, and then um, felt on his heart to purchase a plot of land whereby he began to put up grounds that had uh, room for another building, a church building, room for a school, room for teachers. Um, there's accommodations, there's a, um, a little kitchen and everything. And also, Voice of God has a facility on those grounds. So it, it was really a good vision and brought forth, and it, it's become a really good place to go. It's, it's gated and... and uh, just so you know, when I landed at the airport in Lagos, that was the last time I saw a white man for the next week. Um, white, Nigeria is not recommended travel. Uh, the European Union does not recommend anybody to travel, even cautioned by the Canadian government. But when you're in the hand of believers and the will of God, that's your only protection. And I'm grateful for that, and I thank you for your prayers. This is the, the church building where we had the meetings, um, and... Faith in Action, and uh, the, the House of God's Bread, Camp Bethlehem. The church is kind of built from the front down. It kind of goes down the hillside a bit. It's a unique structure. Um, Nigeria, the national emblem, I think their soccer team is the Eagles or something like that. Um, but we're also living in the Eagle Age. So that sets the stage for this big eagle that welcomes you when you come into the campground. Uh, the church itself is a fairly large church. The convention gathering was Monday to Friday. There was, um, as the week went on, uh, they had more and more uh, people coming all the time. Um, at the end, there was um, close to 1,500 people, probably 1,000 attendees, 500 um, children, etc. But it was well attended. It was a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. Brother John Nayumbi is the pastor. I may not be saying that right, but... Uh, Brother John, if I can say that, lots of Brother Johns. He, this is at the church. This is looking over the congregation. There's this larger area. I'll deal with that a little bit as we come. It's, it's well used, and I actually made use of it too. So, um, but this is from the back of the church. Uh, a lot of people that attended. Um, I, I will say I stepped into the grounds with a little bit of favor. Um, the week before I came, they said, well, we're having a speaker come from Canada. The brethren didn't think... And he said, this speaker comes from Brother Hildebrand's church. Oh, how did you get that? You know, and so they were, there's a great respect. This is a little section off to the side. This is the Nigerian choir. On this day, they're all dressed very similar. But they were a blessing to me. I, I would sit in an office right behind them while they would sing. And I tell you, it ministered to me. And I thought, you know, maybe... Nobody in North America would know it, but I could sneak in and dress like them and be part of that choir because it was amazing. <laughs> it was good. Anyway, these are some of the ministers. There was up to 65 ministers that attended. The area in the middle is also used when people bring a daily offering. They'll, they'll do it. They actually have about five offering stations around the whole church. People bring a daily offering. 
It was a real blessing to see how they gave. There was also a service where they had the ordination of two ministers. Uh, there's no air conditioning in this church. So any brother traveling from North America in a country that has snow gets exhausted fairly quickly. At the end of the services, I was like this. And um, in the back office, I met another brother I know, Brother Tony Urabesa. He came to one of the services. Um, uh, brother told me, uh, he says, do you know Brother Tony? I, I know him. He says, by the way, Brother Tony's son lives in Calgary, sang the special for us on Wednesday. And so that was a blessing. But Brother Tony, infectious smile, enthusiasm. If you ever get a text from him, it's all like capital, bold, and, and very, very enthusiastic. It was very good to be there. This is Brother Tony. This is also a Voice of God rep that was there. Where are we at? We're still doing good. Um, Brother John Ogu did something that was very admirable. Um, when he heard Voice of God was looking for offices, he offered a part of the land that they were on for free, and they could build there. So it, it was very good to see the cohesion. Um, very nice offices. This is leading up to the offices, the entrance to the Voice of God offices coming in the building. And when you come in the building, they have places to have a chapel for prayer. There's offices. There's resources. There's things you can get. This is in the back in the warehouse. They have tablets. They have books. Uh, it's a good gathering place. There's a fellowship hall. There's also a place in the back that some youth can come and have activity here. So really nice. This is Brother Andrew. He is the Voice of God rep. Um, we were together. He was in the services. We were blessed to have him there. I stayed off grounds at a little hotel. I, I snuck my head out of the hotel as there was a deluge and a downpour. Every once in a while it would do that. It cooled things off a little. It was good. Uh, but my habitation was in this compound. They don't let you go down the street for a stroll. They don't let you go for a walk. They don't let you do these things. Uh, just that you're, you're, you're not safe doing that. But I, I felt good in here. They, this was my little room that I had. They equipped me very well with daily snacks. They also would bring daily from the kitchen. They'd bring this little thing, container. There's rice. There's a meat dish. Every day I was well taken care of. Sister Ogu even asked my wife ahead of time, you know, what I liked. She gave him some advice, and then she qualified. said, don't give him too much. He needs to lose a little weight. And, and so... Anyway, they didn't listen to the second part, honey, and I was well taken care of. And <laughs> this is the campground. And a lot of people there, uh, it was a busy schedule. They would have morning devotion, 8 to 9. Then they'd break for breakfast. Then they'd have meetings, and the morning sessions start from 10 to about 1.30. They'd have singing. They'd have testimonies. They'd have various ministers speak and say some things. Then they'd have an afternoon session from about 4 uh, three or four till about uh, 6.37, and then they'd break for the evening. It was busy. It was, but you were in an atmosphere, and it was wonderful. And I, I will say that from my first visit to Nigeria and some of the negative conceptions I had about landing in Lagos, um, as I affectionately call it, chaos, um, it was actually a blessing. And, you know, the Nigerian uh, spirit is not a meek and quiet spirit, if I can say that. But the saints of God that are born again, their spirit is a good spirit. And I was grateful to be with them. So there's, this is part of the grounds. There's different buildings. Uh, there's accommodations when their convention's not going on for teachers. There's school buildings. There, it's, it's been well done. There's different uh, places you can sleep and different things. 
Uh, there's there's up-to-date washrooms. This is an area where there's a little baptismal tank, a place you can change. They do the baptisms there. Um, these are a number of the ministers coming. There was there's buses. There was all kinds of people. Uh, it was a blessing. Um, they they're all coming into the service, and a number of the different ministers. Yeah, I, I witnessed some really uh, amazing things with the clothes. Like these brethren will wear these looser things, and there's a reason for it. Because when you wear a suit and you do these things, you can be sitting there outside and you're like, feel the drops of sweat coming down underneath you. You're wearing socks and shoes. And I noticed some of these brethren, they got really nice shoes, but they're open at the back and they don't wear socks. They just slide, they're dress shoes. And I think, what a great idea. I said, I, I would like to do that. And <laughs> but it was a blessing just to watch how they did it. These are a number of the saints that are worshiping and gathering from the choir. This is the day the choir wasn't dressed up, but it was always a blessing to hear them sing. Sister Ansa was in there too. This is Brother John. He's the pastor. He's been pastoring for 10 years since Brother Ogu passed away. Uh, we shared some stories, and we really were blessed to get acquainted and have time together. It was an interesting thing while I was in his office and I viewed a calendar behind the, the back in the calendar and I'm looking, hey, that's our calendar. He says, oh, that comes from your church? Yeah, you need to flip it from March to November. I said, anyway. He said, I like that picture. Okay, fine. Anyway, these are some of the ministers that are gathered behind Brother John. Um, this is the visiting minister. They gave a little more leeway than the 30 minutes they allotted the other brothers. They gave me uh, a little more leeway, right of way. Uh, we had a number of services. I did, you know, about one a day and, and such. But what uh, I, I had many thoughts that are a pen. But as I go back to the time in prayer, and I believe your prayers and their prayers, the Lord just directed it. Uh, I didn't go off scripted notes. I, I just took as the Lord led me. And I will say every service exceeded my expectation. And I believe God used their prayers and used my voice vessel. And I, I was so happy to see how God worked. So we had a, you know, we, we would gather. I'd keep my suit jacket on for prayer. And then after that, I would just try and do anything I could to stay cool. Uh, I would labor. These are some of the brothers rejoicing. Um, the very last day, they had a prayer line for 1,500 people. And uh, it was all the ministers. They went through uh, the saints there. Just There were some very specific needs. Um, if I can say this, God answered a lot of prayers. And 27 people were baptized at the end of these meetings. So we thank the Lord for that. Um, that different needs that are in the congregation. People will take their needs, write them. On a, on a little note, and they'll drop them saying, Lord, we leave it here at your feet. And um, we all had a wonderful time. That was kind of a climax service. These are the ministers that were all gathered there. While I'm sitting there in the middle of this, it was like drops of sweat. I'm saying, get this picture over and let me get under a fan. Like, this was amazing. Anyway, we had, it was really good. The last day, they sent me these pictures. They probably sent me 200 pictures. I think 100 of them were on this moment alone. The baby dedication. <laughs> they, they asked in the last meeting, and they said, Brother Ed, you're going to be here for our regular Sunday service. Would you be able to do a baby dedication? They announced it, and the church just said, erupted, yeah! I didn't realize how big of a deal this was. This was amazing. Anyway, 
as they I said, okay, I'll be doing a baby dedication. And I said, okay, let the mother come forward. And all of a sudden, three mothers came forward. And they're coming forward. And not only they came forward, everybody else came forward. And they're all around there. And there's like all these people uh, around. I mean, it was tremendous. And, and it was a real blessing. And, and everybody was rejoicing. I mean, I'm not setting a new standard or anything. But this was, this was a baby dedication on steroids. It was really good. <laughs> and anyway, they're all gathered around. And I, just, I was watching the faces of some of the people just smiling and happy, you know, and the mothers that are there. And yeah, I, I'd been a week and a half without seeing my grandchild. Like, this was therapeutic for me, too. And so, you know, here they are, the mothers. They, they, they give their little baby up. I take the baby Brother John is up there. I hold the baby. And then, you know, just it was really nice. We would dedicate it. And um, sometimes I had to kind of catch the name, and it was hard to read. Like, have you ever tried to say Zephanath Panea? I mean, that's the name they gave Joseph. It's not the name of these babies. But there were some names I didn't have. (laughs) I had to really pray for. And a couple of these babies were really cute. They were really cute. And we prayed for them. We dedicated them. We gave them back. And they're still all there. Um, we took another one and did the same thing. And then I just threatened, you know what? This one's so cute, I'm going to take it back home. And I did give it back, but they were laughing at that. They said, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a blessing. And we had a wonderful time, a wonderful spirit. We ministered the last service. The Lord really poured out. It was personal. It was to the church. I'm very grateful for your prayers. So it, with all that empty room, I couldn't just stand behind the pulpit. I had to use the space down here. Brother John, I remember a service you preached on the treasure in the middle of the field. A man uh, who saw a treasure, he bought the whole field. And I brought in the types of Ruth, and I brought in the types of Boaz. And, but he bought it because the treasure in the middle. Christ died for all the world. But his goal was a bride that he always had in his mind, the treasure. That's what's being unveiled to us. So we ministered. We had a, we had a lot of liberty, and uh, I, I thank the Lord for that. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was very good. Um, brethren in the congregation, in the church, it was really a blessing. And Brother John at the end, such a sweet spirit on the last service. And uh, just the presence of God came down on the wings of a dove. Ah, it was over. <laughs> um, this is one of the deacons. This was my driver. I was very grateful for the drivers we had. Going through the streets of Lagos, these were seasoned brothers, good drivers. They, they, they were not average people, but these are um, brethren who, 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 who traveled, and, and this brother was very good. Walking the grounds, leaving the church, leaving the church. While I was there, the brethren reminded me you know, years ago we had a brother come from overseas and his brother also walked these grounds and they gave me a picture. You remember that man? <laughs> Brother Harold, Sister Marlene. And I just thought, praise the Lord for all that's done. One day, all these labors we're going to see and, and we're going to see a fruition. Each one plays their time, their part, their season. We have just a couple of videos. Brother Ethan, can you just play those, and then we're going to wind up now and, and do that. Um, maybe let me know, Brother Jake, where the brothers are at there, if they're ready. Mm-hmm. 
So we're going to play just a couple of videos. Let's play the first one. This is some of the singing and the worship. Well, this is when they're giving the offering. a choir. If you see a white man in there one day, you'll know what happened. stop there for a minute. I just want to say something. You know, when I've traveled to different countries and different places, um, we all have our thoughts on music and we all have our thoughts. And, um, and, and sometimes, you know, when you've come to places I've been there, they have no piano, no organ. They have no, hardly anything other than this and maybe just a little something that they can thump on. And sometimes that, that may sound like, oh, it's a drum, that's not the right thing. I want to just share something with you. Brother Jackson, or Brother Sidney Jackson, was on a hunting trip with Brother Branham in South Africa. And they were in South Africa, and, and it was the last trip. And they were driving down the road, and it was sort of uh, in the early evening, and Brother Sidney was there. There was a driver there. It was Brother Branham there. And they're coming by, and there was some natives that were kind of dancing around this fire. And... Um, and they were also just kind of just beating. And Brother Branham said, stop the car. And he got out from the car, and he went down, and he danced around the fire with those brethren. Brother Sidney Jackson says, and he, he was aghast. He was shocked. 
And he says, Brother Branham, how could you do that? He said, they were worshiping the one true God. I thought, God help us that we don't lose, we don't lose the perspective. We, we heard it here the other day of true worship. Let us have a true worship, okay? And let's, let's, let's allow from the heart to come forward. I just, I just share that because we all have thoughts, and it's not to say you hold them. I'm not de-Christianizing anybody. But I'm saying sometimes God is bigger than we think he is. Play this next one, if you would, please. This is the last, coming the last meeting in the service. That was the kind of the climax of the service. One more, go ahead. Wonderful to be there. Oh, Brother Renzi, I see you've got a big smile there. <laughs> Tastes, feels like home, sounds like home, doesn't it? Amen. I'm glad that there's a bride that's around the world. You know, as I was leaving there, just you can turn that off. Thank you, Ethan. As I was leaving there, let's just have the musicians come if we can. As I was leaving there, and it was the last service, and I had remarked on, on you know, their shoes and then their clothes, and, and the brother says, hey, can you just come out here for a second and just stand aside? So they had me stand aside. And this brother starts measuring me. He's measuring this way. He says, what are you doing? He's a tailor. What are you doing? <laughs> he says, we're making something for you. So they wanted to give it to me before I left. It didn't quite work out, but they said, look for a package in the mail. If I show up here one day... <laughs> You, <laughs> oh man, anyway, that was a blessing, that was a blessing. Listen, I just checked with the brothers, they're, they're about half of two-thirds through. I don't feel I can keep you here, and I'm sorry, I wish we, we thought we'd have this done a little quicker. Uh, if you're okay with it, we can dismiss you and announce it tonight. If that's okay, uh, can I have a show of hands? No, it's not okay. We can sing for 15 minutes if you want, but it's 12:30, and I would be remiss in keeping you. Um, it's a nice day out too, so we'll, if you're okay, we'll. we'll uh, it's taking a little longer. We, Lord willing, we'll announce that tonight. Is that all right? Is there a show of hands? Is that okay? All right. Thank you. <laughs> we had a silent vote. It's as legal as the others. So <laughs> let's stand together. Oh my, what do we sing? We need to sing a little bit of a lively song. I feel like we go back to our opening scripture and sing Joel's Army. How's that sound? <clears throat> Joel's arm becomes in view. Oh, 
Come, our hearts to pine. 